Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Chris Reed. He's the CEO of Neo Metals, the ASX-listed company. Having made their money originally as a miner on the Mount Marion Lithium project, they are now moving downstream to become a project development business. We talk today specifically about their battery recycling business and their MOU with German conglomerate SMS. And Chris tells us how he's going to monetize that project for shareholders. Plus, we also discuss their nickel uh, project, Barambi, and their lithium peroxide project in greater detail too. Good morning, Chris. How are you, sir? Very well, mate. Yourself? Not too bad, not too bad. I'm just looking in the background and slightly jealous of the sunshine that you've got there, but I'll be okay. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> just want to uh, maybe start off with give us that one minute summary for people new to this, and then I want to get into a few of the uh, projects, if I may. Sure. Uh, Neo Metals is an Australian listed project developer. Um, we've got like a direct focus on the EV and ESS thematic. That is the common thread amongst our diversified portfolio of projects. You know, the what wraps it all, uh, all together is this exposure to the mega trend that is uh, EV and energy storage. Right. Okay. Beautiful. Thanks for that. Um, well, why don't we kick off? Like you say, you've got a portfolio of projects which are kind of have EV thematics running through them. And we spoke with obviously you recently, and also Jeremy when he was in London, and you know being very careful at explaining the the, the fact that you're a project development company. So let, let let's talk about a couple of the projects. So let's start with battery recycling first, because that's the priority, as I understand it. Do you want to give us an update on where you're at? Yeah, sure. So in 2019, we embarked on a, a pilot plant to prove out our battery recycling process. So this is essentially taking production scrap and end of life lithium ion battery products, be they from consumer electronics or cars, processing those and then extracting out the valuable materials. So recycling more than 90% of the actual feed material recovering the cathode materials so you know co uh, cobalt sulfate nickel sulfate so that they can we can close the loop and put those back into the battery supply chain so for 2019 we started in february uh, up in lakefield canada we've now materially completed that lithium is the last element that needs to be taken out of the solution mm -hmm. uh, that will happen in january and we'll close that um, what we've done in the interim is we've entered into an MOU with the world's largest constructor of processing plants, a company called SMS Group in Germany. You know, they're more than 140 years old, 14,500 employees in 95 sites around the world. So we've got a 50-50 joint venture there. They will build them for a fixed price, operate them, uh, procure finance, and we'll have a 50-50 joint venture. Initially, we'll... Uh, the most likely location for a commercial plant will be in Germany. Right. Okay. Do you mind if I get a dig, a dig into the weeds there? Because you know, you know, MOUs sure. and MOU, right? Um, this this group with the, with SMS uh, SMS Group in Germany, they're five billion dollar company. I get it. They're, they're huge, but right now they've taken an option on working with you. Sure. You've got to prove to them that you can extract the cobalt, the nickel, the, the lithium, the copper from these batteries in an yeah. economic way, right? So 
can we just talk sure. about where you're at with that? Because you've in November sure. so, announced the cobalt results, but what about the rest? Sure. Um, you know, we started on, on battery recycling in 2016, and then we've gone through and we've trialed a number of flow sheets. Uh, we acquired a, a, a flow sheet, uh, which we've taken through a scoping study, the pilot, uh, and now we will uh, move to do a class three engineering cost study. The earlier scoping study on this flow sheet indicated that uh, it was a very robust process. So the pilot, you just want to get much more accurate test work. You're obviously larger scale, continuous. It's almost been going for a year. So the engineering data we have is very, very accurate. We put out that we were recovering better than 98% cobalt into a 99.9% .9 pure solution. We've recovered more than 98% of the nickel to a 99.9% .9 pure nickel sulfate solution. So, you know, we're producing very high quality uh, purity or very pure products uh, at very, very high recovery rates. In fact, in excess of what we assumed in the scoping study. So, you know, as we've increased that level of accuracy, the volume of data, we've got every confidence that uh, it will remain a highly robust project. And as you'd expect, uh, you know, we developed the world's second largest hard rock lithium mine with two multi-billion dollar companies and we started off with an MOU. We wouldn't be entering into an MOU if we didn't think we could complete it. You'd hardly, uh, you know, create a rod for your own back. But you would expect them to be very diligent and they have been very diligent uh, over the last six months uh, and that will continue and then, you know, we're negotiating uh, the terms of a 50-50 joint venture quite confident that we'll tick the technical feasibility box, the economic viability box. It's really down now to uh, to negotiating the final terms and moving ahead. So, you know, we've told the market that we should be able to execute that by the end of February. Uh, we'll get up for our actual vehicle with SMS. Uh, both boards have committed the funding uh, subject to signing the JV to build a demonstration plant. We will then process third party feeds for cell makers, car makers, what have you. Uh, once they are happy, all that is is needed in the background there is the commercial feed agreement. You know, it's, it's uh, there's no risk in terms of uh, marketing the product uh, at those quality levels. Um, you know, the real commercial hinge is you have to run a demonstration for these big companies, you know, car makers and cell makers, they are multi-billion dollar companies. Um, you know, we've got what we believe is a fantastic process. And now we've got a fantastic household name uh, in Germany to operate. So, you know, the reputational risk, we've, we've, we've sorted that too. I mean, we think we're, um, you know, good project developers, but we in Australia, if you're in Europe and you're targeting Germany, uh, certainly the demonstration plant uh, will, the front end of the plant will be in Germany and the back end of the plant will be in Vienna where uh, SMS have two operational bases. That'll help us prove out the hub and spoke approach. Mm -hmm. uh, but ultimately, you know, the German car makers and cell makers, they, they want to pick up a phone and speak German to a German. Yeah. Okay. I want to come back to this, the hub and spoke component here because I want to understand the scale. Yeah. But first, um, given that most companies we talk to talk about what they're going to get out of the ground 
for the EV thematic. You know, we're going to dig out cobalt, we're going yeah. to dig out nickel, lithium, etc. You're talking, you're slightly different again, where you're saying, well, look, once those batteries are spent, right now they would either go to some kind of land, land, well, they would be stockpiled and dealt with through pyrometallurgical process, which doesn't really have good recovery rates. You've got a hydrometallurgical process, which has yeah. I think look, you know, right? I mean, have you ever put a lithium battery in for recycling yourself? Yes, like, yes, I have. I haven't. All right. Uh, oh well, that's that's good that you have it. I don't know what happens. To I it. suspect quite a lot of them go to landfills. Some would go to stewardship programs. Well, here, here's an um, interesting, interesting thing for you, actually, Chris. So you don't want to throw them in. Right. Okay. Pyrometallurgy, you get poor mass recoveries. You get less than 50% mass recovery because you're burning stuff. So all the graphite, the plastics, the lithium electrolyte all goes up a stack. They scrub it out, presumably. Uh, but it's not really sustainable for or closing your loop. You're sort of only half closing the loop. So... Um, you know, our process is targeting to recover 90% of it. And I think when you have a look at Europe as a continent and as our prime focus, uh, it will be the second largest lithium battery production hub in the world outside of China. It'll take over from Asia in the next sort of five, six years, at which point Europe will be producing about 350 gigawatt hours of batteries. Now, that's if they don't announce any new ones. So 350 gigawatt hours is the equivalent of about 35 billion AA cell batteries if the AA cell batteries were uh, lithium, right, rather than whatever they are now. So 35 billion batteries would add up to about 1.5 million tonnes of fresh batteries hitting the market every year. Now, statistically, about 10% are scrap in terms of off-spec cathode uh, failed, what we call jelly rolls. So they anode and cathode wrapped up, but it doesn't go into a cell yet. Failed cells, failed packs. So in five or six years' time, you're going to be generating 150,000 tonnes of scrap a year and sending the balance out to the market. But in five or six years' time, we're going to have to handle the end of life that's produced today. So, you know, we sized a plant to take this 10,000 tonnes, sorry, this 10% statistical failure rate. And so we've got a 50 tonne a day plant, 20, you know, almost 20,000 tonnes per annum. And it's designed that you'll have to scale up that up in a couple of years to process 200,000 tonnes. So we're looking at capturing a small market we want, we've got ambitions to capture a large market in Europe. The one and a half million tonnes of batteries that are going to be produced per annum in Europe are going to need about 66,000 tonnes of cobalt, mm -hmm. which at the moment would be more than half the world's cobalt. Now, only half the world's cobalt goes into batteries. The other half goes into, um, into alloys because it's a non-magnetic mineral. So unless you want, if you want your turbine blades on your plane, to not magnetize, you need to have cobalt in them. So it's non-substitutable. So, you know, there's stress on the cobalt supply chain. It'd be 180, it'd be 10 to 20% of the world's nickel if it was metal, but it's nickel sulfate. So there's, that would be in excess of what the world's production capacity for nickel sulfate would be today. 
and it'd need about 350,000 tonnes of lithium hydroxide, which is what the world lithium market is today. So the only way that we're going to be able to satisfy the needs of the battery going forward are recycling. We are absolutely going to have to get this to for a security of supply. So one, we're trying to keep the batteries out of the landfill. Two, we're trying to capture as much that's already in Europe and you don't have to mine fresh material. So with our process, we know that our process is probably about 20% of the carbon footprint of pyrometallurgy, which is the current sort of process that's used today. Now, if you look at what the greenhouse footprint would be or the CO2 footprint would be for recycling the fresh material, you have to cast your mind back. Like we're recovering high purity materials from a battery. Normally to get that material, you would have to have a lithium, you know, perhaps a lithium mine in Australia and crush, you know, eight or nine tons of rock to make one ton of concentrate, ship the concentrate to China and, and probably seven to eight tons of concentrate per ton of lithium hydroxide. So you're mining 60 or 70 tons of ore to make one ton of lithium hydroxide and you're generating 250 tons of waste that you have to stockpile. So you get that up to China, then it's got to go from China, it's got to get made into a cathode, then it's got made into a cell, then it goes to a car maker. So the CO2 footprints are, are huge. So from a security of supply and environmental responsibility, you know, cobalt, we know that, you know, somewhere there, there, there's some element, whether it's, you know, 5, 10, 15% of the cobalt that comes out of Africa is likely to be artisanal and potentially, you know, non-child friendly. You know, so there's for a whole massive amount of reasons from economic, sustainability, social, environmental, we're going to have to get our head about this recycling and then trying to not develop all this stuff out of virgin mines. No, I, th I, th so, I, th I think I think that's very topical, actually. And you, sorry, you painted a fantastic picture there. It's very topical at the moment because I think if we look back to the mining conference in, in Melbourne and even recently in London last month, you had a lot of protesters. And it's, you know, it's absolutely their right to protest, no problem with that, about some of the behaviour from some of the mining companies. You know, they, they are concerned. But what you're doing, I guess, would possibly address some of their concerns and the fact that this, this recycling is a good thing to do for all the reasons you, you lay out. So yeah, very, very, very topical. But look, you've, you've painted a picture of the scale of this globally. Um, for your investors... Well, no, that was, ju that was just in Europe. Well, sorry, sorry. Okay. That's point, just point in Europe. Like I mean, That's just Europe. But, but, the, but the, the process is the same the world over. But can correct. you help me understand what, and your shareholders and any potential shareholders, what's the opportunity of the scale here for you? SGS is a $5 billion group, operates in 95 countries around the world. Great partner in terms of um, being able to help you put this thing together, your plan together. Yeah. Uh, you know, financial contribution, but more importantly is the... the feedstock and distribution of this. Can you give us an idea of what yeah. you think you're building? Like yes. if we go back to May when we put out the class five study results and, and this is for the starter plant. So once you attached to a cell maker or a car maker, it's got a modest sort of uh, capital cost around 66 million US dollars. 
we'd be 50-50 with the Germans and the Germans have got to bring 50-50 debt. So, you know, our capital exposure, somewhere around 20 million US dollars in terms of investing in the starter plant. Um, you know, the, the payback of the capital costs, less than two years. So, you know, that, that ticks a box. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we had uh, pre-tax cash flow over a 10-year life of plant. It'd obviously be much more. And using conservative assumptions, that was 50 million US um, for your net cash flow for the project. So, you know, your 66 million capex and then 50 annual cash flow with conservative assumptions, and we're actually beating those recoveries now, right. it is a robust, and, and you're not having to take the risk of a mine, geological risk, how good the miners are, how much they dilute it. How does this stuff process in the plant? You know, everything that goes wrong with mining is gone. You actually know what's in the batteries. They were high purity, battery grade cathodes when they went in the batteries. Right. So you're trying to recover a very highly pure product. So um, in, in terms of the economics, I mean, we came out with a pre-tax 12% NPV of 220 million. So if you had to scale, if you have to make the plant 10 times bigger, that obviously goes up proportionally, and uh, then the plant will last longer than 10 years. I mean, yeah. we'll be processing lithium batteries in 10 years that we're producing now. So um, I, I think, you know, obviously you've got to caution, um, you've got to put a cautionary statement with scoping studies. We wouldn't be making an investment decision based off that. We have completed a pilot at, you know, a, a significant cost. Mm -hmm. We, the guys at SMS, not only will we run a demonstration plant, but they will run a class three engineering cost study. Um, and reminder that, that, you know, these are the engineers that actually have to build it, uh, you know, for a fixed price EPC, they've got mm -hmm. to operate it, uh, over the long term. So, you know, we expect it, it'll be engineered like a German process plant. I mean, that's what we want. Absolutely. Okay. But, but that, that's the economics. I'm interested in the scale because if I'm going to invest in your company, I want to know. Where oh, well, they're SMS are investing so that we can build multiple plants. They're in the business right. of building multiple plants. They've built more than 2000 processing plants since the year 2000. And, and your current MIU leads you to believe that the relationship can, will continue beyond plant number one. They're not buying the license from you. Oh, it's a JV. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Correct. I mean, we're looking, we're talking to, you know, we've been shredding batteries for car makers, consumer electronics, cell makers. And, and so we look to deploy a number of these. So the hub and spoke is that you can, you can have the front part of the plant, which involves shredding to make the batteries you know, safe to move around. You take them from actually having some charge to being just a, a shredded black mess or a black mass is the technical term for it. And we can put that in 44 gallon drums. It's a dried product. It's completely inert. We can send that to a central processing facility. So, okay. you know, we ab absolutely the, the target with uh, SMS. If SMS were only thinking about one small plant, I doubt they'd be there. Okay, okay. But when do you get to a point where you sort of understand, you've laid out some big numbers for Europe in terms of, you know, uh, gigawatt hours, etc. And, and, and yeah. some numbers in the marketplace. But have you got some sense of what it is that you're going to create in terms of coming back to the scale question? Because I want to know, are you thinking five of these, 10 of these, 100 of these things? I mean, well, you know, of, of the 
of the if we have a look at that starter plant which is 20,000 tons and 66 million US dollars um, we would have to build 75 of them right to handle the end of life waste from battery productions in Europe in you know 2030 Right. You'd need to have 75 of these. So obviously you're not going to have 75. If you have to scale them up by a factor of 10, you would need seven and a half, 200,000 ton plants. Right. So that's where we're looking at getting in, getting in early. We invested in this. We've got quite a lot of cash. We've got more than $100 million uh, in cash and investments, no debt. So, you know, we are in the position where once we get the commercial supply contract, we can absolutely make an investment decision without any requirement for equity or debt funding. Right, and once, you, once you've done that and that plant is up and running, presumably if you do build more, you're gonna go and raise debt for that rather than burn into your cash that you've got today. Well, you're gonna have, have significant cash flow from the original 20,000 tonne plant. So I would imagine, you know, uh, twenty, you know, so twenty nineteen's been the pilot at a high level. Twenty twenty is the demonstration plant, the class engi- class three engineering study. Look to make an FID subject to getting obviously a commercial supply contract at the end of twenty. Build the plant in twenty one. Now, bearing in mind we already own the front end of the plant, we've got a full scale, two tons an hour shredding circuit that's currently being. Um, turned from North American electrical specs to be EU compliant. It will then get shipped in the first quarter next year over to Germany via Hamburg down to uh, SMS uh, near Dusseldorf. Uh, That'll be set up. That can operate at a 20,000 tonne per annum feed rate. So we're going to have a demonstration plant, but when we go into production, we'll only have to build the back part of the plant, the hydromet plant. So 21 in terms of building it and commissioning it and production in 22. At the end of 22, we will have to then focus on building the plant that will be most likely 10 times bigger. Wow. Uh, Now, in the interim, we'll be looking to North America to see if we can deploy a similar hub and spoke on a continental basis there. Um, So in discussions with parties there. So... You know, I, we, in terms of the responsibilities, you know, Neo Metals will, and given that we've been in lithium for 10 years, we've got good contacts with the lithium supply chain. Um, we will be concentrating on commercial agreements to feed the plant. We'll also be responsible for off-taking and marketing the off-take of the products at the back end of the plant. And the SMS, the gentleman at SMS will be you know the heavy movers in terms of building the plants operating the plants and ensuring that they uh, uh, you know do what they're supposed to Uh, and the added benefit is that sms is the largest generator of german import export financing which is you know okay i haven't haven't picked that one up okay interesting and just one question which was sent in to us which was um the process is proprietary to you it's your it's your flow sheet correct but none of the components themselves are proprietary. They've been as a well-trodden, well-used process you know, in terms of the machinery, the shredding, the Yeah, correct. So you're not reinventing we, the wheel in terms, here. in terms of the, there's no, there's no, you know, uh, 
proprietary equipment, so to speak. We are able to procure from numerous vendors everything that we need to make sure that our process works. Okay. Look, thank you very much for that. I understand that better because, uh, you know, we, you've not gone into that much detail previously. So thank you for that. I think people can extrapolate what they want to extrapolate from that in terms of numbers and scale of the opportunity here. Um, there's lots of moving parts. I appreciate you've got to do things in a, in a certain way. Um, I think people will be excited yeah. to get some guidance from you next year when you start firming up on things like the SMS, JV and timings. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you've got in the first quarter of next year uh, for the battery recycling project, you know, you've got pilot plant results, um, the, the uh, joint venture with SMS, which will trigger a movement to the uh, demonstration plant construction and commencement of the class three engineering cost study. So, you know, all guns blazing in the first quarter. Beautiful. Uh, and then, you know, what you'll see is then we'll follow with commissioning the front end of the plant, the demo plant, commissioning the back end of the demo plant, the class three results. And in the background, we'll have the uh, our commercial boys uh, in planes uh, shaking a lot of hands and trying to get some ink on paper for the supply. Beautiful. Okay. Beautiful. Now, if you don't mind, can we just talk quickly about the uh, the, the nickel project? Um, because again, you announced about a month ago some quite good grades, um, which, which is a good a good start. Um, can you give us a sort of sense of the scale of that project? I know this is slightly behind the battery recycling project in terms of priorities, but not far behind. Yeah. Look, absolutely. I mean, when we have a look at um, the massive explosion in terms of lithium battery production so not only europe but we look on a world scale we're moving from somewhere in terms of you know sub 300 gigawatt hours globally at the moment to about 2.2 terawatt hours by 2025 wow. right so you're looking at a six-fold expansion of the raw material requirement mm. so in terms of what in what commodities are impacted the most um you've got graphite because the anodes 50 percent of the volume not the value in terms of the battery um we're not in graphite it's dominated by the chinese the, the other resources in africa i, I don't have a, a a tolerance to compete with either of those mm. um lithium which we're obviously very very familiar with nickel because the batteries for the cars are becoming more nickeliferous uh and cobalt so, you know, nickel is a particularly relevant material. They use nickel sulfate in the batteries. Therefore, nickel sulfide deposits um, will be at a premium in a couple of years. I know, appreciate nickel has gone up and it's gone down and it's a little soft. But I think in a couple of years, we're going to see a materially different nickel market, especially for nickel sulfate uh, going forward. So we acquired the Mount Edwards nickel project in early 2018. Um, four historic mines, 10 historic resources there, all nickel sulfide deposits, 240 square kilometres. It was the biggest production base outside of Cambelda. So Cambelda was obviously Western Mining's original nickel boom area. Mm. Um, you know, it's a fantastically well mineralised area, no expiration for 10 years because the nickel price was pretty average and it was held privately. We bought it off a private group. Uh, and so what we've now done is gone through, acquired it. We're going through those 10 resources, validating and bringing them up to the latest Jork standard. 
Uh, and we've gone from like sub 50, we're now at 130,000 nickel metal tons contained. Uh, more importantly, what we're going to try to do is actually look at the more higher grade massive. There's about 7.7 .7 million tons of resource at 1.7% nickel. So that's massive matrix and disseminated. We're going to concentrate more on the massive and matrix. Uh, and we've been having fantastic results. You know, uh, the expiration methods in the last 10 years have got much, much more, oh, much better. And you can discriminate you know, ground and soil anomalies much better and we're having fantastic success uh, with the drill rig. Mm. And so, you know, we're going to be improving both the volume and the quality and the grade uh, of, of the mineralization. That's our, that's our aim. Ultimately, um, you know, we may, we may look to return that back to the shareholders we haven't made up uh, our mind in terms of how we're going to realise value. I mean, one of one of you know the ways we approach the business and we try to identify one the thematics we want to be exposed in. That then tells you what commodities you want exposure to. That'll then tell you what type you should be getting exposed to. Then that'll that'll tell you what projects you should look to get. Um, and then we, you know, put it into our ecosystem. We've got geologists, we've got metallurgists, we've got mining engineers, we've got process techs. Build up that value proposition and then bring in partners to accelerate the development. Fortunately, with Mount Edwards, it's only 60 kilometres from Australia's largest nickel concentrator, which is currently on care and maintenance, which is linked by rail to uh, a nickel smelter and a nickel refinery. So, you know, we're in a... A fantastic spot we're still in the building value but we've always got an eye on how we're going to return that value back to the shareholders beautiful i i think you're right nickel the nickel thematic right now it's very very exciting we, we've interviewed a lot of nickel companies in the past few months um and you know the forecast suggests that the price will recover to mid next year okay so uh, i mean look you know we're, with all of the projects, we're looking at what's happening in a couple of years' time. We're, we're fortunate that we've done. Yeah, you know, generally it takes seven years to develop these things. You know, about Marion, it took us that long. Yeah. And so the hard work's done. You're now in the stage where you're doing the pilot and the final studies and the Barambi Titanium Vanadium project, uh, the nickel exploration. You know, the lithium hydroxide, the zeolite. You know, you're in that building. You're in the advanced stages of building value, which. Uh, I enjoy the most, but the other half of the business is you've got to have those strategies yeah. and that you've got to attract the partners and capture value at the right time, uh, which sometimes, you know, miners have, haven't, haven't done well. You know, buying assets at the top of markets, not getting out before they turn, you know, that sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, I followed, you know, JP Morgan's uh, rule of investing, Get out early, get out often. Yeah. Well, you're certainly building up a portfolio of projects which you're developing, and I can, we, I can sort of see a, a timeline building up here. Um, I like this ecosystem story that you, you tell about creating value through taking breaks of technical uh, projects and commercializing them. It, 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 it makes sense to me when you, when, when you describe that. May I ask yeah. one last question on the, on the Nickel project though? Sure. Um, with regards to, the, the grades are good and you, you talk about 130,000 contained Nickel sulfide, but 
how long will it take to kind of understand the scale of what you've got there is because you know any i think anything below uh 0.5% would be considered low grade anything above that is 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 very good you're at 1.7 fantastic but you also need scale so how long is that process well take? you need scale if you if you're going to build a mill Mm. So, you know, where the big capex for these mines is generally not in the mining side. Mm. It's in, you know, what do you need to build to monetize it? So there was never a processing plant at Wijimulta. Western Mining mined it and they transported the ore, sometimes right. on rail, sometimes mm. on road to a concentrator mm -hmm. and, they, and they processed it there. So if you take away uh, what it costs yeah. you to build your own you take away this critical mass. So we could start up at 200,000 tonnes of feed, 400,000 tonnes of feed. You know, it's, it's, you know that's, that's the sort of rule. Like if you're starting a gold mine, you know you've got to build a plant. And there's some hurdle. It used to be 50,000, but now the bankers say it's 100,000 ounces to justify the capital investment. You've got to be producing, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, the boys with the spreadsheet are driving your mine plants. So what you can do here is you can take that big resource and say, okay, some are open pit, some are underground, some are higher grade, some are lower grade. At, at certain pricing scenarios, we should develop these resources in different orders. Got it. Why don't we find out? So what we've got there, let's get that into the best quality, able to then go over to the mine planners to do formal designs We've got 11 deposits. There's a sequence from 1 to 11 that these things will, will come in. Some will make the grade. Some won't make the grade. We've got 50-odd targets. Uh, and we're having, you know, we believe we'll have good success with that because of the quality of the work that's been done. Um, and so, you know, we will have the luxury of not having to worry about feeding a plant. You know, they, having to feed plants, you know, you need to have it at this rate. Well, sometimes the mine doesn't want to give it to you at that rate. And if you make me feed it, I'm not sure how much payable material it'll have. So, you know, we don't have a gun against our head to actually build a plant. We can mine what we like and process what we like at the right time. And like I say, if you double the nickel price, you mine much more than you do at the current price. Now, I've seen the nickel price in the last nickel boom at 50,000 US a tonne. 50,000 US a tonne is going to be about 75,000 Australian. At 75,000 Australian, a tonne of nickel, the whole lot goes. Right? So you've just got to work out and scenario model what these things are. I don't want to mine it now. Right? I just want to add value. And then, you know, go through the disciplined evaluation. You know, we've had, we've been underground miners, open pit. Um, you know, we've, we've got more right than we've got wrong, but we have had them go wrong before. So we know where the pitfalls are. If you don't have a mill and you can mine it to what, you know, the, the scenario that you want to, either the spot price or hedging mm. forward or whatever, you don't have to worry about milling. Chris, Thank you very much for today. Um, you know, I, I have no doubt you, you've done it with Mount Marion in terms of monetizing it for shareholders and paying dividends to them. Uh, I like what I'm hearing with regards to the battery recycling component. I'm very excited about what you're going to tell us next year. Um, 
And of course, with this nickel, again, I, I trust you will make the right decision for shareholders as usual. Appreciate it. Very welcome. Merry Christmas and to, uh, and to all the viewers. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.